Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 Index. They are both moving higher. Little change right now. The S&P 500 Index up by less than half a point. We've got NASDAQ down four points to 63.35, a drop there of about one-tenth of one percent. Here we are, final hour of trading audit Tuesday, mixed a picture for stocks, the threat of war with North Korea diminishing. Treasuries are extended losses, extending losses after U.S. retail sales exceeded forecasts last month. We've got the tenure down 13.30 seconds. The yield there with, uh, is 2.26%. And with more on the retail report, here's Bloomberg's Vinnie Dell Judice. Retail sales rose 0.6% in July amid broad-based gains. Internet demand probably got a boost from Amazon.com's Prime Day. Moreover, June sales were revised higher in the government's latest tally. Separately, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York reports household borrowing increased over the past year at the fastest pace of the economic expansion. In a possible shot across the bow, though, the report also showed an increase in credit card delinquencies. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Radio. And even though those retail sales numbers came in better than expected, tough day for a lot of retailers. Dick Sporting Goods, for example, down 21.4%. Coach slumping 14.1%. Home Depot, it reported this morning, down 2.9%. Advanced Auto Parts, it is down now by 19.8%. Gold slumping 13.10. The ounce down 1% to 1273. Crude oil higher, little changed up 2 cents, 47.60 for an ounce of crude. So, again, recapping here, mixed picture for stocks. The Dow up 12, little change. S&P up less than half a point. NASDAQ down four. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Worst part of waiting is waiting for more Tom Petty, I think. And waiting for more Dave Wilson. Dave Wilson joins us right now with his chart of the day. Well, if you've been waiting for an opportunity to buy stocks when prices fall, you've been waiting for quite a while now. And let's just, as a reference point, think of it as a 5% decline in the S&P 500. The last time we had a move like that was in June of last year. We've now reached... Assuming we're not in one as we speak, which we'll only know in hindsight, 285 trading days uh, as of Monday. Uh, so you're talking about what's now the fourth longest streak for the S&P 500 without a 5% decline since 1960. The folks at the NBF Economics and Strategy ran the numbers on the Bloomberg Terminal and figured that out. The only streaks that have been longer, uh, well, in fact, there were two that uh, ran 369 days. One that started right after uh, the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963, interestingly enough. And the other, uh, beginning in December 1994, right around the time that the 1990s bull market driven by gains in Internet stocks was happening and then you had a 333-day streak that began in October 1992, so earlier in the 90s. And I bring these up because if you're waiting for your chance to buy stocks at lower prices, you may be waiting for a few more months, I mean, given that kind of a track record. What the chart does 
is put the latest move, the one that began uh, back in June of last year, in context by showing how the other moves fared in terms of how far the S&P 500 rose over the same time period. You find out that basically we're in line with what happened in the 60s, uh, that you had more extreme moves uh, in, in the uh, mid-90s, not surprising given the focus on the whole uh, Internet boom, uh, and not so much in the earlier 90s. Anyway, if you want to know more, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Interesting stuff there, Dave. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Let me bring in Carl Gadana. He's our uh, Bloomberg Intelligence Chief U.S. Economist and joins us with some great regularity, but not enough. Not enough, Carl. We can't get enough, Carl. Carl, <laughs> what are you looking at today? Well, uh, dovetailing on what Dave's saying here, it sounds like while stocks are so rich, uh, what's the point in uh, saving your money? We might as well go out and spend it, right? Uh, is that the is that the message, Dave? Well, certainly if you see stocks going up and up and up, you get more confident that you're going to have further gains, and perhaps that gives you an incentive to spend. Uh, okay. Well, if I'm waiting for that pullback, then I might as well just go out and spend my money. And uh, that was definitely the case with uh, retail sales in uh, July. Uh, topping uh, consensus expectations, uh, rising uh, six-tenths of a percent in the month alone. The year-on-year uh, rate is uh, reaccelerating uh, as well. Uh, and uh, also we saw back revisions to the prior two months. So this is uh, an important indication uh, that consumers are on solid footing at mid-year. And this is really one of the first data points of, of hard data, not survey data, of hard data uh, that uh, we uh, see going into the second half. And this tells us consumers are up to the challenge of driving economic growth at a pace better than what we saw in the first half. First half averaged uh, 1.9% for GDP. That's not a great number. Uh, and uh, this looks like uh, we can easily hit uh, something in the vicinity of 2.5% for the second half of the year. And that's fast enough to end this inflation soft patch and uh, keep the Fed on the normalization path. Yes, yeah, so because that's what's interesting is that we are seeing this desire to perhaps the hiring's going well, low borrowing costs are there. We've got limited inflation. Are we going to see a, a force for wage inflation at some point as well? I mean, because interestingly, people are willing to splash the cash when that hasn't really been there. Well, my answer to your question is yes, and unfortunately the answer to that question would have been yes uh, for the last uh, two or three years where the, the wage inflation should be coming, uh, but it hasn't happened just yet. And uh, a lot of economists thought we'd get there at uh, 5% unemployment, uh, then we got to 4 and 3 quarters, then 4.5, uh, and still not seeing the wage pressures. Uh, but we are seeing uh, you know, various signs in the labor market of skills shortages and, and uh, tightening labor conditions, so I, I am optimistic that the wage pressures are coming, uh, but they uh, seem to be coming at a lower unemployment rate uh, than uh, what has been the case in uh, cycles past. So every cycle is a little bit different. Uh, the, uh, the the phenomenon of this cycle is that uh, we seem to be able to get a lot lower uh, with unemployment without getting those uh, wage pressures uh, perking up. And David, uh, the uh, you know when you think about wages, uh, wages not going up is probably good for corporate earnings. Well, it certainly helps. I mean, and having the uh, Demand, if you're uh, in retail, is certainly there. Although, when you put that together with what we're seeing in terms of retail earnings, it shows you, yes, there's more spending. 
Where is it going, though? That's the question. Is it all going to end up in Amazon's pocket, or is it actually going to be spread around to uh, the more traditional chains? I mean, that is very much up in the air, given the disappointment with the fiscal second quarter numbers out there from the likes of Coach and Advance Auto Parts and Dick's Sporting Goods. And and to Dave's point, uh, what was interesting in the retail sales uh, data, and certainly one report doesn't answer the question that Dave was uh, posing, uh, but uh, the gains in the retail numbers were uh, fairly well distributed. So there was a uh, a strong showing in what we call non-store retailers. That would include the Amazons of this world. Uh, but uh, pretty broad-based strength uh, across the board, if anything, uh, where we did see some weakness was in discretionary categories. So things like uh, electronics and appliances, uh, bars and restaurants, uh, those hobby items, hobby, sporting goods, hobby, books and music, uh, those were all on the cooler side. So this looked more like pent-up demand uh, than uh, as opposed to uh, just households finding more cash in their pocketbook uh, and running out to buy an extra meal for the month at a restaurant uh, or other types of uh, discretionary spending. That hints that it may be more durable in the pickup. And Carl, I mean, a better time to come for the auto sellers then? Well, that's a, a controversial view. Uh, I know most uh, auto analysts think we've hit peak autos for the cycle, but I think that, uh, you know, there's a, a significant tailwind here from uh, falling unemployment, stronger wages, and also credit scores, which are improving uh, now that we're seven years out from the mortgage crisis when a lot of people had to declare bankruptcy. So I think... There's maybe some surprising upside potential. We shall see. Auto sector is a pretty interesting one right here, but with the subprime lending in the last couple of years driving things, we'll see if there's anything that will replace that. Great stuff, Carl. Carl, we're going to our Bloomberg Intelligence chief U.S. economist and Dave Wilson, our Bloomberg stocks editor. We appreciate him and his chart of the day. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> Let's get the latest world of national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Adrian Mitchell. She's in our 991 studios in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Corey. Ending government payments that help low-income people afford to use their Obamacare plans would raise federal spending by billions of dollars over the next decade. According to the Congressional Budget Office, it says the move would boost premiums for mid-level plans by 20% next year and by about 25% in 2020. The head of the Alliance for American Manufacturing is the latest to leave the president's manufacturing council following the CEOs of Merck, Under Armour and Intel. Bloomberg News senior White House correspondent Margaret Taleb says this won't harm the administration's ability to make policy. These are not even groups that meet that regularly. It is that when you have allies that you uh, want to bring into the fold to promote policies or ideas or figure out how to shape a policy, it just gets more difficult to do that. And there's a potential impact also for donors. The president tweets that the CEOs who have left are grandstanders. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un says he won't fire missiles toward Guam, but that could change if the U.S. persists in what he calls reckless actions. Now South Korea's president says his country has the right to veto any military action, and he vows to prevent war at any cost. It's primary election day in two of the nation's most Republican states. In Alabama, interim Senator Luther Strange is hoping the president's endorsement will send him to a runoff. And in Utah, the GOP winner will be set to be congressman in waiting. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.